welcome to this week's episode of Walking with the Master as we begin this new year. My name is Ken Winter, and this week's episode is entitled, The Greatest Commandment. As we get started in this new year, let's be reminded of the commandment which Jesus declared to be the most important. Some of the greatest teachings from Jesus were in response to questions that were intended to trap him. On this particular day, it was no exception. The Sanhedrin had already put forth the Herodians and the Sadducees, both of whom had failed miserably in trapping Jesus. So they sent out a lawyer, an expert in religious law. The scribes, or the lawyers, had determined that the Jews were obligated to obey 613 mitzvah, that's precepts and commandments, as recorded in the Torah. 365 of them were negative commands to abstain from certain acts. Interestingly, that is one for each day of the year, excluding leap year. 248 of them were positive commandments, which outlined acts to be performed. It was said that the number 248 coincided with the number of bones and main organs in the human body. And that was just in the Torah. That number did not include the exhaustive code of conduct to be practiced as it related to rituals, worship practices, each person's relationship with God, as well as interpersonal relationships that comprised the Talmud. There was a lot to keep track of. No wonder they needed a team of lawyers to keep a close eye. One of the favorite pastimes of the scribes was discussing which of these divine commandments was the greatest. These men, who were considered to be the greatest religious minds in the land, had spent countless hours in debate over the answer to one particular question and had never come to a resolution. So at the behest of the Sanhedrin in their plot to trap Jesus, the lawyer posed this question to Jesus. Of all the commandments, which is the most important? Bear in mind the scribes had debated this at great length, but Jesus never blinked an eye or hesitated for even a moment. He immediately and authoritatively replied, quoting the confession of faith that pious Jews recited each morning and evening called the Shema from Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 5. Listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. And he followed it up by quoting Leviticus 19, 18. Love your neighbor as yourself. The teachings of the religious leaders of the day had little to do with love. Their teachings stressed duty, obligation, and rules. Even though they would regularly quote the Shema, it was by rote and in word only. Very little was said or taught about love, let alone lived out. But Jesus made love the most important thing. He was teaching that love for God and love for our neighbor was the purpose of the law and the fulfillment of the law. He was revealing to them the truth that Paul would later write. 
owe nothing to anyone except for your obligation to love one another. If you love your neighbor, you will fulfill the requirements of God's law. For the commandments say you must not commit adultery, you must not murder, you must not steal, you must not covet. These and other such commandments are summed up in this one commandment. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to others, so love fulfills the requirements of God's law. Pastor Warren Wearsby said it well when he wrote that Jesus was telling them that if we love God, we will experience his love within and will express that love to others. We do not live by rules, but by relationships. A loving relationship with God that enables us to have a loving relationship with others. I believe you could have heard a pin drop when Jesus answered the question. The crowd and the scribe had never heard that truth expressed. Time and again they had debated the law and missed the very point of it. As Jesus' answer began to sink in, we can observe a brief moment of transparency and authenticity displayed by the scribe. He, who had intended to trap Jesus, now sincerely commended him. Imagine the Pharisees' anger as they heard their representative commending Jesus and confessing the very truth that Jesus had just spoken. The word of God had just spoken to the man's heart, and he was beginning to understand. Perhaps further scripture came to the scribe's mind. You do not desire a sacrifice, or I would offer one. You do not want a burnt offering. The sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit. You will not reject a broken and a repentant heart, O God. Or perhaps this one. What can we bring to the Lord? Should we bring him burnt offerings? Should we bow before God Most High with offerings of yearling calves? Should we offer him thousands of rams and ten thousand rivers of olive oil? Should we sacrifice our firstborn children to pay for our sins? No, O people, the Lord has told you what is good, and this is what he requires of you, to do what is right, to love mercy, to walk humbly with your God. So what did Jesus mean when he said to the scribe, you are not far from the kingdom of God? I believe he was affirming the scribe as he was now honestly facing truth. The scribe was now testing his beliefs against the word of God and not against the teachings of men. There hadn't yet been a complete change of heart, but the man had made a quantum leap in his journey toward the kingdom of God. I pray that he made it the rest of the way. And if so, I look forward to meeting him one day in heaven. Because if I do, I believe his testimony will be very similar to that of the man who once was physically blind. And that is, I once was blind, but now I see. Counting those who had come before the scribe to trap Jesus that day, three men had attempted and all three had failed. Three up, three down. Jesus had pitched a no-hitter. The Sanhedrin didn't have anyone else to put before him that day. But as we know, they weren't done trying. Just as he had before, and just as he would again, in every instance, 
Jesus responded with truth. As each one of us take up our cross to follow him in this new year, we would do well to remember that no matter who or what we face in our journey ahead, lies or deceit cannot survive in the light of truth. And the core of that truth is, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. Let's be faithful to live out that truth and add words only where necessary. You can read about this conversation between Jesus and the religious leaders in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 12. This post is taken from my book, Taking Up the Cross. Information about all of my books can be found on my website, kenwinter.org. Thanks for joining me this week, and I hope you'll do so again next week, as together we walk with the Master.